All right, uh, if you would take your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And when you find that, if you would again join me in standing as we read God's Word together. 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll read verses 5 through 9 this evening. And we're going to do a little uh, Bible study on the life of Peter tonight. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5, Peter wrote this, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to meet together this evening. Thank you for the time of testimony and song, and thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you would speak to us from it. And again, uh, is our prayer, Lord, help us to be good hearers, but more importantly, good doers of what we hear tonight. And we thank you again for the privilege of meeting together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Most of us, or I would maybe just ask this question, how many of us this evening are familiar with the children's story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Would you raise your hand if you've heard that story? Most of us are familiar with that. Well... Two, almost two years ago, in June of 2014, uh, this story became reality in St. Augustine, Florida. Here's what the USA Today article had to say about it. A St. Augustine, Florida couple found a scene straight out of a fairy tale when they arrived home early Saturday morning. To their, surpri to their surprise, a female stranger was sleeping on their couch wearing the homeowner's pajamas. The couple snapped some pictures before the blonde-haired stranger woke up, and we could make some blonde jokes at the moment. We won't do that. Um, uh, the couple snapped some pictures before the blonde-haired stranger woke up, grabbed her clothes, and ran out the back door. She left in such a rush she forgot her passport, making it easy for the St. Augustine Police Department uh, to track her down, according to First News, or FirstCoastNews.com. She was later identified as Chansey Layton, 19 years old, from St. Augustine. She was found wearing the clothes belonging to the homeowner and arrested, according to the police. Layton told police um, that a friend said the home would be empty and the balcony would be unlocked. She told police she entered the home around 9.30 p.m., took a shower, ate food, fell asleep on the couch because she didn't want to sleep outside. When she was placed under arrest, Layton was very apologetic and wished to return the clothes belonging to the homeowner. Now, most of you recall in that story, uh, in that children's story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, that Goldilocks went into the house, ate the baby bear's porridge, because it wasn't too hot, and it wasn't too cold, it was just right. And then she sat in baby bear's chair because it wasn't too hard, and it wasn't too soft, it was just right. And then, she fi and then Goldilocks finally fell asleep in baby bear's bed because it wasn't too high, and it wasn't too low. It was just right. Now, Goldilocks seems to represent a lot of Christians 
in our culture today. Not too hot, not too cold, not too high, not too low, just right in the middle. But unfortunately, as you read through the scriptures, it's abundantly clear that God is not impressed or pleased with Goldilocks-type Christianity. You see, there's no middle ground with God. In Revelation chapter 3, and verse number 14, the Bible says this, And the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God's not pleased with Goldilocks type Christianity. Just right there in the middle. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 30. He that is not with me is against me. There is a black and a white. There is no middle ground. And Peter said in our text uh, this evening that if you're not growing, if you're not in verses 5 through uh, 7 here adding to your uh, life these, these characteristics, these qualities, these um, these wonderful things to add to our life. If we're not doing that, then in verse number 9, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Peter says it's possible to forget that you're even saved if you fail to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is how he ends his epistle. He ends his, all, all of his writings with uh, verse number, uh, in chapter 3, verse number 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and, and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. So Peter is very much aware that you either are growing and going forward in your Christian life, or you're going backwards. And Peter would know. Peter would know, wouldn't he? Because no doubt as he was writing some of these words, he was thinking of his own life, of his own testimony, of his own story. Because there was a time in his life when he was going the wrong direction. And Peter's not the only one in, in Scripture who we know who experienced what we sometimes call backsliding. Or oh, I think about Abraham when he uh, asked Sarah to lie and say, Hey Sarah, tell everybody that you're my sister so they won't kill me. I think about Moses when he backslid, when he smote the rock for the second time when he was supposed to simply speak to the rock. I think about David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then tried to cover it up by murdering her husband Uriah. And then I think about Jonah when he took a cruise ship to Tarshish when God specifically called him to go to Nineveh. And while we could talk about any one of these individuals tonight, we're going to focus and zero in on the man by the name of Peter. And I'm not going to be overly abundantly critical because I see a lot of myself in the man by the name of Peter, but his life, his story gives us some steps in the wrong direction, and, and, and his life gives us a warning to avoid those same steps. And so tonight, I'd like you to notice with me the seven steps Peter took that literally changed his life forever. And the first few are steps in the wrong direction. The first step that he took was a step of delusion, of delusion. Before we ever get to this step, we uh, read about how Jesus called him to be a, a disciple. And what a wonderful story that is. And 
And then for, for really three and a half years, Peter was walking with Jesus. And, and if there was an inner circle that were around Jesus, Peter was in that mix. He was in that inner circle. What a privilege that was. But the first step he took going the wrong direction in his life would kind of led to what we consider uh, the unthinkable was the step of delusion. Uh, he, uh, he became delusional. Now, what is delusion? What does the word delusion mean? Well, it believe, it's, a, it's a belief that is not true, a false idea. Now, in what ways was Peter delusional? Well, first of all, he developed and he allowed pride to creep into his life. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 22. We're going to be kind of looking through some of the Gospels here. We'll do a little bit of turning tonight. Luke 22. We're going to pick it up in verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that, thou, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he, Peter, said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Verse 34, Jesus said, Well, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So Jesus says to Simon, to Peter, Satan desires to have you, and Peter says, no, 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 you got the wrong guy, Lord, it's not going to happen to me, <laughs> no way, I'm above that, I am ready to go with thee to prison, I'll even die for you, Lord, and Jesus said, oh, listen to me, Peter, you're going to hear some roosters crowing here soon, and It'll be after you deny me three times. If you turn back to Mark chapter number 14, we'll see what Mark has to say about this. and It gives a little more insight as to what Peter said here. Verse four, uh, chapter 14 of Mark in verse 26. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. He said, You know, Bartholomew, yeah, he'd probably be offended. Andrew, yeah, probably. I can see it in Andrew. I can see it in James. I can see it in John. But, but Lord, <laughs> not me. I won't be offended. No way. Jose, I've got your back, Lord. Look at what Jesus says, verse 30. Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And then Peter had the gall to continue in verse 31, but he spake the more vehemently. I think he got a little irritated with the Lord in this, in this moment. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. 
likewise also said they are. So Peter said, it's not going to happen to me. I mean, it could happen to the other, my friends. I can see it in them probably, but it's not going to happen to me. So what happened to Peter here is he allowed pride to creep into his heart, into his life. And he began to think that he was above such a warning. And he began to think that he would never fall into that heinous sin. He would never deny the Lord. And as we hear the news of people committing such heinous sins and crimes, and we think, oh, I would never do that, friend. We need to listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Because, friend, can I just encourage and remind all of us that none of us are above any type of sin in this room. No matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how separated we may think we are, no matter how spiritual we think we may be, hey, if it could happen to Peter, who walked and talked with Jesus Christ himself for three and a half years, it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 18. Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Solomon also said in Proverbs 29, 23, A man's pride shall bring him low. And that certainly happened in the life of Peter. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. There we see the contrasting between pride and humility. You know, pride is one of the key qualities and characteristics of Satan. He was cast out of heaven because of his pride. Most of us are familiar with this passage, but he basically wanted to be like the Lord in the wrong way. In uh, Isaiah chapter 14, uh, here's what it says. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. See, God doesn't respect those who are lifted up in pride. And this may not seem like, oh, I'm going to be like God here, and I'm going to be like the Most High and in such a blasphemous way. But he said, hey, I will not fall. We've got to be careful to not allow pride to creep into our lives, thinking that we have arrived, thinking that we are above such things. Golf immortal Arnold Palmer recalls a lesson about overconfidence. He said it was the final hole of the 1961 Masters Tournament, and the Masters Tournament of 2016 just ended today. But he was talking about 1961, and he had a one-stroke lead and had just hit a very satisfying tee shot. He said, I felt I was in pretty good shape. As I approached my ball, I saw an old friend standing at the edge of the gallery. He motioned me over and stuck out his hand and said, congratulations. I took his hand and shook it. But as soon as I did, I knew I had lost my focus. On my next two shots, I hit the ball into a sand trap, then put it over the edge of the green. I then missed a putt and eventually lost the Masters. 
You don't forget a mistake like that and you just learn from it and become determined that you will never do that again. Don't become overconfident. And that was Peter's problem. And that was one of the first steps in the wrong direction. I'm not going to fail you, Lord. I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to die with you. And if all men should be offended, yet will not I. We all know that he was. But not only was pride part of this step of delusion, but also that led to prayerlessness. Back to Mark chapter number 14. Pride leads very quickly to prayerlessness because then you stop thinking you need God. You think you can handle life and what comes your way on your own. Mark 14, again, verse 33. He taketh with them, let's back up to verse 32. They came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. But verse 33, and he taketh with him Peter and James and John. And begin to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. Before we move on, let me just stop and comment and say, what an honor to be in Peter's position here. When the Lord was about to face the biggest spiritual battle that he would ever face, he wanted three men close to him. Peter was among that group. What an honor. He told the other eight, well I guess all other seven at that point, to just stay seated. And he continued further and took with him Peter, James, and John. Peter was among that group. What an honor to be called in that group, in that inner circle that he was in. But let's read on. Verse 34, and he saith unto them, and to those three, he begins to pour out his heart. My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. He went forth a little and fell on the ground and prayed that, If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation, The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. They didn't have an answer. They were speechless. It was, uh, I have nothing to, I can't respond. I have nothing to say. Verse 41 and he cometh the third time, and saith to them, Sleep on now, take your rest, it's enough. The hour is come, behold, the Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinner. Rise up, let us go, lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Prayerlessness. Prayer shows God, and it shows ourselves that we need him. And prayerlessness says to God, and says to ourselves, that we don't need Him. And while we would all admit today that we need the Lord, prayer proves it. Prayer proves it. Martin Luther said this, If I should neglect prayer but a single day, 
I should lose a great deal of the fire of faith. Abraham Lincoln, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day, Abraham Lincoln said. And George Mueller, the great prayer warrior of yesteryear, had this to say. For more than half a century, I have never known one day when I had not more business than I could get through. For 40 years, I had annually about 30,000 letters, and most of these have passed through my own hands. I have nine assistants, always at work, corresponding in German, French, English, Danish, Italian, Russian, and other languages. Then, as a pastor of a church with 1,200 believers, great has been my care. I have had charge of five orphanages, also at my publishing depot, the printing and circulation of millions of tracts, books, and Bibles. But I have always made it a rule to never begin work till I've had a good season with God. We may think we have enough to do and a lot to do. Well, these men realize the importance of prayer. And in this moment in Peter's life, when he needed prayer the most, he succumbed to his flesh, fleshly need for sleep. So, first step that Peter took in the wrong direction was a step of delusion. He allowed pride to enter in, and that pride quickly led to prayerlessness. Because I could handle this. I've already told him I'm not going to prison, or I can go to prison with him, and I'll die for him. I'm not going to deny him, so I don't need to pray right now. But that led to number two, the step of distance. The step of distance. He would turn back to Luke again, Luke chapter 22. Verse 50, and one of them, this is in the garden, one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And we all know, most of us know that that uh, disciple, that one of them was Peter himself. And Jesus answered and said, suffer ye thus far. He touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then took they him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. And these next five words. And Peter followed afar off. And Peter followed afar off. Now there was some distance between him and the Lord. Now he allowed some space between him and his Savior. Now he wasn't as close to Jesus as he once was. How many times in our lives do we get to that point as well? Not as close to Jesus as you once were. Oh, you're still following, but now you're far off. Start slowing down on serving, start slowing down on giving, start slowing down on spending time with God. You're still following, you're still behind Him, but it's not near as close as it once was. You know, if there's any distance between you and Jesus Christ, can I just say this? It's not His fault. 
You see, you're the one who has moved. You're the one who has created that distance. In fact, He did everything necessary for you to have a close and intimate relationship with Him. And if you're not experiencing that type of relationship, it's something that you need to fix. It's not something that, you know, Lord, where are you? No, it's the Lord calling down from heaven to Adam, Adam, where art thou? You see, it was Adam that moved away from God. It was not God who moved away from Adam. And any time there's some distance, there's some separation between us and God, and the fellowship is not as intimate as it once was, it's not God's fault. It's Eric's fault. Jesus said this to the religious Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I imagine tonight if we went across the room and we were to say, Are, are you close to the Lord? And I think all of us would say, Yes, yes, I love the Lord. Yes, I do. But God's not concerned with your mouth and your lips as much as He is with the closeness of your heart to His. Peter allowed some distance between him and the Lord. Don't allow distance between you and your Lord. Keep short accounts with God and keep that relationship close and intimate. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. I love that promise in the Word of God. When we take that first step, He promises to reciprocate it. He promises to draw nigh to us if we take that first step. So tonight, if there is some distance between you and the Lord, I would encourage you, whatever that step is, take it. And He'll take a step toward you as well. So the step of delusion, that led to the step of distance. And then thirdly, the next step He took was the eventual step of denial. Where he did the unthinkable. Where he did what he said he would not do. Luke chapter 22. Your Bible's open to there. Let's pick it up in verse 55. Peter followed afar off in verse 54. Verse 55 says, And when he had kindled the fire, or when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. When they had, uh, but a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, Hey, this man was also with him. I recognize him. He was with Jesus. Verse 57, and he denied him saying, Woman, I know him not. I like what verse 57 says again, and he denied him. The first he is Peter. The second him is the Lord. He denied him saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. Peter said, Man, I am not. About the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with them, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. The unthinkable happened. Peter said it wouldn't happen to him, but it did. He denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. 
Oh, I, I know we, none of us would verbally deny the Lord. If someone were to ask you, do you believe in the Lord? Do you love the Lord? We would all say yes. But I think sometimes, at least in my own life, I deny the Lord with my actions and with my attitudes. And with my reactions and my responses to things that come my way, I deny the Lord. And you know, we only have two choices. Either we deny ourselves, like we talked about this morning, or we deny our Lord. And too often, at least in my case, I say yes to myself and I say no to God. Again, I know that you may not end up at a fire, campfire, and somebody may say, hey, you know the Lord, and you would say, no, I don't know Him. But in our daily lives, with the decisions we're faced with, those are the moments where the Lord's watching to see whether we deny Him or we deny ourselves. And too many times, at least again, in my own life, I make the wrong decision, and I'm hoping that from this point on, I'm able to go the right direction. Another way we deny him is by not talking at all. Someone once correctly said, silence is golden, but sometimes it's just plain yellow. When you have an opportunity to speak up for the Lord, to encourage someone to know the Lord, those are times when we can either, again, deny ourselves or deny the Lord. So the step of delusion led to the step of distance, which eventually led to the step of denial. And then unfortunately that led to the step of defeat. Let's pick it up here in verse number 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. What a moment that must have been. Peter just got done saying, Man, I know not what thou sayest. Cock-a-doodle-doo. And he looks, and the Lord in his divine wisdom, in the divine timing, was able to meet eyes and connect eyes with Peter. I'm not sure exactly where Jesus was walking, but, but there was a point in which their eyes met. And that must have made his heart drop. And the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly, and immediately he remembered the word of the Lord. And immediately he probably remembered what he said to the Lord when Jesus said, Hey, you're going to deny me three times. And he said, No, I won't. Other people might, but I won't. And so he went out and wept bitterly. He felt like a loser. And you know, is that not what Satan desires for all of us? To feel like a loser? To get us to sin and then all of a sudden turn it around and say, Look at you, you loser. You were just in church yesterday and now look what you did. <laughs> You're such a loser. That's Satan's tactic. And that's what Jesus warned Peter about because he said, hey, Satan desires to have you, then he may sift you as wheat. He said, you're such a loser. 
go out and just quit. Go out and just quit. And you know, that's what he decided to do. That led to the fifth step here, the step of despair. John chapter 21, if you would turn over there. Most of us are aware that Peter was a fisherman before Jesus called him into the ministry to become a fisher of men. And now we find him after this moment, after this moment of defeat, this feeling of being a loser. We find him in John chapter 21 and verse number 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. This wasn't just a, let's go see if we can catch some rainbow trout and go have a nice meal together. This was, I'm done with this Christian life. I'm done with being a disciple. I'm done with this. This didn't work. My Savior who I followed for three and a half years is now dead. I failed him. I'm just going back to fishing. I'm going back to what I know how to do. Let's go fishing again. And you know that again is Satan's ultimate goal. To cause us to feel like such a loser that we just give up on this whole Christian life and go back to what we used to do. And our testimony is squelched. That's Satan's desire. Satan's goal for our lives. And it was happening to Peter. He was allowing it to happen. I'm thankful this evening that the message doesn't stop with that step. That the story continues and the story goes on. And that the Lord doesn't leave Peter alone. Aren't you glad for that? The sixth step here is the step of decision. Because the Lord shows up and he allows Peter to make a decision. What he's going to do next. He gives him a second chance. And in my case, he gives me a millionth chance. Whatever I'm on now. But here in John chapter 21, in verse number 15. Um, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter. Again, zeroing in on Peter. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Will feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And verily, Verily I say unto thee, when thou wouldst young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. So he gave him a moment of decision. The Lord was gracious enough to say, look Peter, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Let's get you back on track. Let's get you going now the right direction. You've taken all these steps going the wrong direction. Now let's turn you around 
and allow you the opportunity to go in the right direction. I'm thankful this afternoon or this evening that Peter decided to go the right direction. And that leads to the seventh and final step tonight, the step of devotion. So what did Peter decide to do? Well, we know he made the right decision. So if your Bible's open in John chapter 21, if you look over to Acts chapter 1, in verse number 14. I'm sorry, verse number 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. All, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, in verse 16, Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before, the concerning, before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. And he goes on and talks about how they were going to replace Judas as the uh, 12th apostle. But then, if you fast forward to chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and in verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. And he goes on and preaches on the day of Pentecost, and in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So he made the right decision, and God used him on the day of Pentecost to preach the gospel, and 3,000, at least 3,000 uh, were saved, and 3,000 were baptized on that same day. And then the Lord used him to write two epistles that we know as First and Second Peter. And as he writes... One of the most famous verses in all of those epistles, be sober. We read it this morning. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I can't help but think as he was writing those words, he was thinking back to what had happened to his life. And he was trying to warn others. The same warning that Jesus gave him, hoping that we, who would one day be reading that, would take heed, unlike him. So, tonight, what step are you on? More importantly, what direction will you step next? Even if you're at the step of devotion, which I would assume most of us are. The step of devotion, I'm going forward, I'm, I, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. But can I encourage us all, even who those of us who are in that step of devotion, to be careful that we don't take that step of delusion, allow pride to creep in and say, I'm going the right direction and I'm never going to turn back. I'm never going to go the wrong direction. We better take heed lest we fall. Let's all take the next step tonight toward God. And can I remind us of that wonderful promise we mentioned a few moments ago. As we draw nigh to Him... He promises to draw nigh to us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for putting in your word the, the life of Peter and some of the errors that he made. And Lord, tonight, 
we find ourselves relating so well with him. He was so human. And yet, Lord, I pray that we would learn from his bad example and use it as a warning in our life to keep us from going that same direction, from allowing pride and prayerlessness to come into our life, and to uh, keep us from that distance that he allowed in his life with you. Help us to not follow you afar off. Help us to be right there by your side. Help us, Lord, to not deny you with our words and with our actions. Help us, Lord, to have the step of devotion where we are devoted to you and we are following you and we will be faithful to you no matter what comes our way. Lord, wherever we're at tonight, I pray that you would help us to take the next step in the right direction. We pray these things in Jesus' name.